0: This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me, Peter Kafka. I'm the one speaking to you. I'm part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm here at Vox Media headquarters in New York City, but not for very long, because we are going to Austin, Texas, where South by Southwest is held. And that is where I talk to Mark Cuban, I don't really need to tell you who Mark Cuban is. He's on Shark Tank. He owns the Dallas Mavericks. He made a gazillion dollars in the first dot-com boom. Uh, Mark and I spoke at Vox Media's The Deep End, which is this cool space they set up. He's a ton of fun to talk to, a ton of fun to listen to. So let's get right to it. Hi, guys. Everyone hear me? Um, I do a lot of these interviews now, either on stage like this or at our own conferences or podcasts. And the thing I've learned over years is the best guest you can ever have is a billionaire who owns his or her own company because they can say whatever they want. So that's what we set up for you today. Please welcome Mark Cuban. What's up, Tim? How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're amazingly accessible still in 2019. Why not? You answer your own email. It's great. You know, I'm talented like that. Thank you for doing that. Um, I'm not going to ask you if you are running for president. Good. Because that's a boring, I'm going to get a boring, boring answer. If you did run for president, like right. everyone else is South by Southwest, what, what would you campaign on?
1: Um, <sighs> put me on the spot. I think, let's just talk about what I think is important, right? I'm, and I'm, I'm not a candidate, so I don't give a shit if you like it or don't like it. Um, <laughs> first is common sense. Right? There's just no common sense anymore. Second is trying to bring people together. The, you know, Donald Trump, our president has got the deplorables who goes after every time and everybody else is an ignorable. And then you go to the left and the Democrats, and they're so intent about trying to get voters in primaries that nobody's talking to anybody. And so I think the first step has to be recognizing, you know, we're in Texas. Why did people, why did so many people vote for Donald Trump? It's not because they're all idiots. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, politicians have the worst rating of any profession, governors, congressmen, or, you know, senators, house representatives, whatever, and yet that's who we vote for all the time. And so I think we've got to already start talking about, look, why did people vote for Donald Trump and how are you going to get them to come to the center and vote for whoever that candidate is. That sounds like a
0: Howard Schultz campaign. No,
1: Howard doesn't. I like Howard, I get along with him, but he doesn't have the personality and he's talking about being a centrist, right? It's not about being a centrist, it's about just using common sense, right? I'll tell you, you know, I supported Donald Trump for about 30 days and then I got to know him better. and, and, And I've known him for a long time, but I got to know him better. We talked actually a fair amount. And I told a couple of my friends in Dallas, you know, here's what I think, da da da. I'm like, and they're like, I don't care. I'm still going to vote for him. I'm
0: like, why? What tipped it for you after getting to know him?
1: He didn't want to learn anything. But I, I asked my friend, why are you going to vote for him? And he goes, look, Mark, I've been voting for politicians my entire adult life. You know what they've done for me? Nothing. You know the definition of insanity? doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And if you're going to be a candidate now, rather than just trying to reach out and just get, you know, the far left or the far right, I think you've got to start recognizing, you've got to respect people who voted for Trump because they they had the right idea, they just had the wrong candidate.
0: Centrist, charismatic, someone who's been on TV a lot. What's your point? I don't have no point. Um, This this has has bugged me for two and a half years. Right after the election, Uh we're all shell-shocked but I remember very clearly it was a photo of you talking to Steve Bannon Mm -hmm. at a restaurant in Midtown, New York. Mm -hmm. Blew my mind. What were Steve and Mark talking about?
1: I like to talk to people who I think are a little bit crazy and are different than me. (laughs) Seriously, you know, I just saw the Theranos documentary. I spent a lot of time with Elizabeth Holmes. It was like, it was crazy. Right, But I, and I, would, I would have a conversation, when A-Rod was going through his problem with steroids and he had been suspended, I spent a lot of time with A-Rod trying to you know, help him and get a sense for why he did what he did and what was going on in his head. Bannon was the same way. I'm like, who else is gonna give me a better indication of what's going on in the Trump administration than Steve Bannon?
0: And did you feel like you figured that out at
1: least? I figured it out? No, but I found out that Steve um, Bannon is further left than Bernie Sanders. I mean, it was crazy which is know. what he was telling the public like yeah. well, I want
0: I want a new deal basically I want to I want to get phone? the shipyards going something oh.
1: And so you just learn things by talking to people, but we live in a society right now where, especially on social media, where people look for reasons to condemn people and to show contempt. And what did he want from you other than talking
0: Nothing, to a famous person? Nothing, just to talk, yeah, just just, talk. just having a convo.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd actually met him during the streaming days. He worked for a company called The Firm, right, in the entertainment business. Yeah. And so um, I just hit him up and said, hey, you know, let's get a drink, and we did.
0: All right, I talk about media. Let's, let's okay. uh, I write about media. Let's, let's I know talk about media. Um, you're involved in a bunch of different ways. You you became a billionaire through streaming media. You became really famous by being on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, how come we don't have more famous internet billionaires? There's really like Elon Musk and you, and then maybe Mark Zuckerberg. I think a lot of people would have a hard time picking them out in the street. Why aren't why aren't more of these Silicon Valley people also famous? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's not like I set out to be famous. I just
1: like to do shit I like to do, and. Um, you know, Elon likes to do what he likes to do and he does it. Um, I don't really know Mark Zuckerberg at all, but I don't know, it just
0: I don't know. Oh what you know you what know I'm hearing? It's your it's your Bluetooth Oh, is that it's your Bluetooth sunglasses, why don't oh, you there model you those for a second?
1: The Bose new sunglasses that allow you to
0: have speakers in there, that's what they are. Not an investment. What's that? You're not invested in that. No, okay. I just think they're You're really cool and I like them, yeah. Good. <laughs> Um, I think everyone in this room knows you as the Dallas Mavericks owner, but they also know, know you know you as the guy on Shark Tank. Uh-huh. You've been on there for how many years now? Um, this will be our 11th season, my 10th year. You spend, what, probably five weeks a year Yeah, working just five on weeks. It?
1: Yeah, we shoot two and a half weeks in June and two weeks in September. And are you making money doing that, yeah. either from fees or from the investments? Yeah, from the investments. Yeah, I just had a company we sold for $40 million. Which was? Um, um, Cycloramic. It was... Thing where they had um, panoramic software that worked on an iPhone 4 that had, you know, you could put flat on the surface, and it would use the sensors to turn, and when they changed the uh, format of the iPhone, we pivoted to computer vision, and then we just sold it to Carvana um, for $40 million.
0: So, five weeks a year is not a Difficult later. No, right? that,
1: that shooting is easy. We get there, we start shooting at 8 30, 9 o'clock in the morning, go till 7, um, do it for our two and a half weeks or two weeks, and then that's it. It's managing and dealing with all the companies afterwards that yeah. takes the time.
0: And what is, what is the advantage of being a broadcast TV, network TV star that you get that you don't get from being just an ordinary billionaire? What's the upside? <laughs> I get to do this. Yeah. Um, tables, you know, I get
1: in anywhere I want to get in. Um, you know, kids come up to me, and I get to talk to you know, ten-year-olds, twenty-year-olds, fifty-year-olds. I mean, are they still on. They're still going, yeah. Yeah, they're loud. Um, no, it's just access. I, I get I get to meet so many people. I get to talk to Steve Bannon, Donald Trump. I, you know, you know, um, Howard Schultz. It's just, it, you know, I like to talk to people who are different than me. That I. I that I disagree with, uh, that maybe I pick up one granular notion of something that helps me. I like to talk to tech people. It's just, it's
0: fun. What? So you've been doing this for about a decade. How has the TV business changed over that time? Not at all. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's imploded. It, you know,
1: effectively, it's different. And, you know, back in the early days of streaming, we used to always say bits are bits. And television was one way to deliver. It was kind of a contained environment. And now those days are over. And when five G comes along, and people cut the broadband cord, and you don't, you know, you're not buying your your broadband from the traditional cable company, it's going to change
0: even more. But for, in terms of you making a TV show, it's probably the same thing, right? Some yeah, in terms level of the production, making it over the same yeah, economics, of sudden, yeah. that part sort and of remains the same. Right. The hard part of Everything around is to, it's changing.
1: The, the hard part is because. Just general audience sizes have declined trying to get ABC and Sony, who owns the show, to move to multiple platforms and to either simulcast or to, to do, do it in different ways. And that's been the most difficult. What, what thing. do you want them to do that they're not doing right now? Simulcast. I mean, just Meaning? where you want Shark Tank, how you want Shark Tank, when you want Shark Tank, you know, and it, it, even if it's just, you know, you know, we're on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock, depending on when you live. Um, just being able to stream then so you can watch on your phone while you're sitting at home, whatever.
0: So you used to say the the future of TV is not the internet, the future of TV is TV, and this is, I think the last time I talked to you was probably four or five years ago on a stage like this, and basically we're saying, look, YouTube and whatever else out there, that's not really TV, and it's still right. different from regular TV, it seems like you well, know, that was you're about saying scale, it's combined. right?
1: The, the difference is scale. You're, not, you're gonna have a really hard time streaming 20 different TV shows that are each getting two million or more viewers, simultaneous viewers, over YouTube or, you know, look at even Twitch, right? Twitch numbers, you might get 300, 400,000 simultaneous viewers for five or different, different so pieces. That's the,
0: nothing. The physical capacity yeah, of just the, the g- internet to right. reach millions of people at a time. You,
1: you just can't. When you try to do big events, so when they put, you know, when Amazon um, does, um football they get like seven hundred fifty thousand simultaneously. less than that yeah, yeah. and so it, there's the internet really hasn't been stressed now i think television um distributors the mvpts the at&t's charters etc were all screwed up because they really you know you've got a medium that has value because it's it has the best quality picture you know the best delivery there's no buffering etc but they don't market that at all and they don't take advantage of it.
0: But you're, but you're, so you're stressing about live TV and the capacity to stream right. things that lots of people want to watch at the same time. Yeah, because that's a the limitation. But there's only a little bit of that on TV, right? It's sports, it's No, but it's, still, it's news. But in aggregate,
1: right? When you go down the entire programming grid, yeah. in aggregate, there's, you know, if Shark Tank is pulling a four rating, there's, you know, 80 million homes watching TV at that time. That's a lot. You're not going to just be able to stream that.
0: Right, but isn't the future going to be people like my kids watching YouTube Fortnite videos. Oh, no, in they, terms of
1: what they choose, yeah. And, they then, and, so,
0: and, and it doesn't matter whether it's live or right, not. Right. Television will scale older, right, and continue to skew
1: older. And, and the question becomes as kids, millennials, go from being, you know, 40 is the oldest millennial to being 60 is the oldest millennial, do their
0: habits change from watching streams to something more traditional? And we've been waiting for this for years. It's finally happening now, right? You see the big tech players finally saying, we're going to get into TV, whether right. it's Google actually selling linear TV live. Right. Apple's going to announce in a couple of weeks right. they're doing TV. Amazon's been doing it for a while. How do you think the tech guys are going to fare as they get into TV for real? Well,
1: just look at YouTube. They have, what, a million subscribers? for? the I think now, yeah, yeah. Two million, and Hulu's got right about the same. Yeah. That's nothing. I mean, and so it's going to be difficult for them. And if but that's look, taking
0: existing TV and just restreaming it. Right, what about the d- idea of them like buying shows? Like, do you think Apple's going to be successful at making their own TV shows?
1: Yeah, there'll be some that are successful, but it's still going to be tough to draw an audience. That's why live sports has so much demand. Because you know, the beauty of Netflix and Hulu on demand, et cetera, is that you can watch them anytime, anywhere, but they might draw a big aggregate audience, but at any one point in time, it's hard to draw an audience. And that's why sports continues to go up in value, sports rights.
0: But, uh, I mean, the, the Apple guys, are the Sony guys, the, huh? the guys from Sony to bring it on. They, they were the guys who made Shark Tank. Um, is there any reason to think they won't be successful at making shows like uh, Shark Tank or whatever no, else they're I making? No, I mean, look,
1: there's going to be great shows. There's no platform that doesn't have one or two great shows. The hard part is spending the money to make a lot of great shows. So if you look at Netflix, and they're spending, what, $9 billion or $18 yeah. billion a year, they've essentially become the whole cable company you know they're direct tv or they're, they're they're cable because there's so many choices globally and i don't think you're going to see companies like apple or a company like apple spend 18 billion dollars on programming and if they're not you might have one hit you might have
0: another but why wouldn't they all change look if netflix has said look 10 years ago they didn't stream anything right they knew nothing about hollywood now they're a streaming company and now they're making their own shows they seem to be good at it Ted Sarandos and Reed Hastings, they'd never done that before. It seems like they've, they've laid out a model. You spend a lot of money, you buy a lot of stuff, and one thing about Apple and Google and Amazon is they have a ton of money. They could look, do that if Google. they wanted Google's to. look Google's
1: a perfect example. They have YouTube and they can't create a hit to save their life.
0: But they're not throwing that kind of
1: resource at it. Well, they have all the data. They should. It shouldn't be that difficult. Apple's got data. It's, it's not hard to find a hit out of, you know, hit 1% or 2% or 5% if you spend enough. It's hard to create good quality content in volume. And it's hard to get a public company to spend 10, 15, $18 billion a year on content.
0: I mean, it seems like a major difference, right, is that's all Netflix does. That's yeah. their one business. And if you're Apple, you're still building Well, that's really what I'm saying.
1: Gonna, it's going to be very hard for them to do. It's like AT&T, buying Time Warner. You know, they'll, they'll expand HBO and they'll produce more content, but how much are they going to spend?
0: We were talking about this backstage. You know the AT and T guys really well. Uh-huh. You're in Dallas. They're in Dallas. Yep. How do you think they're going to do at wrangling the HBO culture, the Turner culture? I think they'll the be Warner fine. I, I, I
1: think they'll be fine because what the, you know, they lost some key people, but they'll, they'll balance it out by throwing more money at it. You know, because they have to be successful. They can't lose.
0: Because one of the questions for them is, can they really actually keep up with Apple, Amazon, Google? Because they actually have an advantage. Well, they're HBO.
1: Business. I mean, the whole there's there's only a couple companies that are great at creating really good content. You know, the HBOs of the world, the Netflix of the world, you know, um, Disney does it well. There aren't aren't a lot of them. And so it's not easy for Apple just to come in and say, let me
0: just hire a few people and do this. Hey, it's Peter cutting back for one quick second. We're going to take a break. Back very quickly with Mark Cuban. So by buying HBO, even if they don't have Richard Plepler running it, right. you think AT&D has bought themselves an incredibly valuable asset that yeah, gives exactly them a leg up on the tech guys.
1: So yeah, so if, then if you try to vision, envision forward, then you've got 5G coming. So they can you know, use 5G to just deliver. I, with 5G, I think we're going to cut the broadband cord. just like um, wired phone lines are pretty much dead. We're going to see the same thing with broadband. Where people aren't going to order, you know, cable call the cable company order broadband. They're just going to get it from a wireless carrier. They call has,
0: up AT&T and say, "I want to get broadband from you." It'll be competitive. I want 5G. It won't even say broadband. I want
1: 5G, and that's going to give me all these different services. And including that is ho- probably, hopefully, uh, potentially going to be a lot of. Quality content that's visually improved over what you could stream before.
0: So, what does that mean for your, for your main business now? Right, is, is the Mavs, right? It's One of many a fair, fair assessment. That's big. Yeah. So, what does is, what is, what is that five G world mean for oh, you great. as a sports owner, sports, oh, a sports rights sports
1: owner? sports owner. Look, we want people to have the best possible experience, and so being able to, to stream at four K or eight K or even more, being having a gigabit potentially of allocated um, bandwidth to do things we haven't even invented yet you know, whether it's AR, VR, whatever the case may be, um, being able to do interactive with gambling, it's going to be enormous. And so there's so many things that we can platform. You know, we've, up until now, we've pretty much only used streaming for movies. You know, Gilligan's Island reruns, you know, watching Friends 900 times with the office. Oscar-winning
0: Oscar winning movies via Netflix. No, but,
1: but you're not taking advantage of the technology, is my yeah. point, right? We haven't said, there hasn't been enough bandwidth to be able to say, Wow, what new types of applications? So here in a, in a tech conference in South by Southwest, one of the things I'd be thinking of is, okay, if I have 100 megabits or 500 megabits, what kind of applications can I create? How can I make entertainment different? You know, what, what new ideas can I come up with? Because that's, what, that's hitting them where they're not. That's what we haven't seen yet. And I think that could have a huge implication. There's, there's something somewhere, some kid somewhere is creating content and thinking in terms
0: of, you know, 500 megs as opposed to 20 megs. So the NBA really likes to play around with new tech. Uh-huh. So they'll do a thing with Oculus or Magic Leap or Twitch. Um, and they're doing some cool stuff where I can buy now a game, an individual game, or I could buy a fourth quarter of a game right. through Turner. But their still core business is selling really expensive rights packages to, today it's Disney and, and now right. AT&T. Um, I've talked to people who own teams like you, and they say, a couple of them said, I wish we stopped doing those deals. I wish we just kept these rights for ourselves, went directly to the consumer, we could make a lot more money. What do you think about that idea?
1: Um, Not quite yet, but soon, for the very reasons I just mentioned. When we can come up with something that's innovative, then you grab them back and you go with it, right? Um, I think, there shouldn't be just one feed of a game on TNT or one feed of a game of the Mavs um, playing on Fox Sports Southwest. There should be 20 different ones. There should be a Twitch version, right, yeah. where you get you know something that's geared towards you know people who like the ninja style and you know the the. Um, the streamers there, there should be you know, a gambling, there should be an AI version, there should be a VR version if you want to watch in the head sites, because there's fungible bandwidth and we're just not using it in the most effective way.
0: But you're talking about tech and the way you display it. I'm asking you, do you think the league and the owners are willing to forego those really big but upfront right? If
1: you have something really compelling and different, then people will pay for it. If I just said, you know what, I'm just gonna move the same um, stream that we have from Fox Sports Southwest to Fox Sports Go, and now you've got to pay more for it, that's going to be a tough sell.
0: But you don't sell it to Fox Sports. In this theory, right, the, one I'm, the theoretical thing I'm sketching out is it doesn't go to Fox Sports, it goes, it goes to mark.com or oh, No, 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 I get that. Com, I, get, right? I get
1: exactly what you're saying, right? So again, if I, if I just take over the stream and you said, Mark, you know, all, the, all the people who are rights buyers are gone, right? And you've got to create an environment where you're going to generate revenue and give customers exactly what they want, then I would look just for the exact same thing I just said. I would gear towards 5G and find, try to find new ways to create broadcasts that leverage high bit rate opportunities. The interactivity, all those things we, I just mentioned, that's where the upside's going to be. But you don't want to start taking
0: that step until
1: there's a transitory, you know, someplace where you can jump off from.
0: So there's two theories of sports rights when people are predicting the future. One, I assume you endorse the first one, which is they're going to keep going up, keep going up, because we're going to add in the new tech buyers, we're going to add in China, got a lot right. of international rights. And the other one says, the TV guys have been overpaying for sports rights for a long time because of this bundle, that bundle is breaking up, the TV guys are going to say, no more, we've hit our limit, and or maybe we're even going to go without it, or it's going to be all a la carte. We've actually overvalued sports. I'm assuming you're saying number one is correct, but number two seems like a good argument. Well, first of all, look what subscriptions would be to traditional
1: media if they didn't have sports. Cheaper. Cheaper but gone because you get the cheaper alternatives already. There just wouldn't be a, many reasons to subscribe at all. So that's one. And two, drawing an audience to, at a given point in time is hard. You, you know, billions of hours or minutes of content on YouTube, you know, you pick any video that has hundreds of millions of views and you don't know if any two people are watching it at the same time and can be social around it. So there's so many other types of opportunities for real-time broadcasts when people can be social. I mean, we tweet more, we communicate more, we watch together. There's things, the social gathering. Um, and so I think that, that becomes more valuable in a universe where there's unlimited choices, not less.
0: Different version of that question. Do you think the NBA, the NFL, really the two key, key leagues, right, are at a point where they're gonna say, we're gonna take some of our most valuable programming that right now is going on linear TV or cable TV and we are willing to sell it to the highest internet bidder, Amazon, Facebook, as long as they can plausibly show us they can stream this, and they're gonna have to pay us a lot to do it, but we're gonna take some of our most valuable stuff off of TV and put it on the internet. See,
1: I can see somebody like Disney doing that, because nobody dominates local streaming yet. There's no, you know, if you want, okay, I just got to Austin, what, what can I just stream around Austin? What's going on where I can just be on my phone and check out everything? But if you're Disney and you say, okay, I can build a local, Austin feed, Dallas feed, one for every DMA, and sports can be the bedrock of that next to news. So that's still Disney who's still in that market well, trying just to just that. And I say Disney because they own local TV stations. Yeah. And so anybody who, you saw um, Sinclair Broadcasting, who owns a ton of local TV stations, get in on the Yes Network, and they're gonna do more streaming. That's they got
0: in on the Yes Network and so did Amazon. Why I know, is Amazon buying a piece of a local sports network? For the same reasons they licensed the
1: NFL. It drives but that's, a,
0: but that's a global, international thing. No, that's the whole to...
1: point. That's again, that's my point. There's no local drivers. And so if you're, you know, if they know the numbers, you know, if, if you're buying more on Amazon, if there's a local connection and you're streaming something, they're gonna monetize it. There's just no local connectivity. There's no local programming that people naturally go to. And so, you know, we have a lot of different tools that, you know, I go to Google Maps and I'll say nearby restaurants or whatever, you know, maybe go to Yelp, depending on what to do. But there's no real entertainment source that's connected in a big way. And this is part of that opportunity. So if you're in New York and, you know, people are going to watch the Knicks or the Yankees or whatever it may be, um, that could be your your the gravity that pulls you
0: there. You mentioned gambling a couple different times. The euphemism is is gaming, right? And and it's been illegal and now it's legal. You can bet on sports state by state by state. Talk to some of the guys who do this. It is never going to happen in Texas. Texas will be the last one. Unfortunately, I hear that too, Do you think that's that's
1: true? We'll see um, as of now. And that's that's a
0: moral, philosophical opposition? Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) morals in Texas are crazy sometimes, but. um. (laughs) How, uh, How do you feel about it? Do you want gambling in the NBA? Pro uh, legalized gambling in the NBA? Yes, because it's not like the gambling's not happening.
1: You know, it's already happening. So it's not like we're introducing some new drug that never existed before, and now we're gonna have people that are falling under its spell. It's already there, and
0: this legalizes it, and you know, you can tax it, and all those types of things. Worried at all about someone who wasn't exposed to gambling or wasn't sports gambling, and all of a sudden now it's popping up on their iPhone, which is already this addictive advice? Of course. Of course, but yeah, Who's, I gonna, mean, who's gonna put in the, the guardrails for that? Especially since it's state by state by state.
1: Well, the states obviously will, will be involved in that and we'll try to do it as well. I mean, we're not, I don't think you're gonna see us taking million dollar prop bets. You know, does Luka Doncic make his next half court shot? You know, he probably will, but you know. <laughs> yeah, he probably will. But yeah, I mean, so without question, anything like that is has risks associated with it, but the the risks are there anyways and now, you know, by taxing it you can put together programs to help.
0: What are you doing to protect the players or help them stay out of the really obvious pitfalls that are gonna get involved when there's legalized gambling oh, we and do all kinds someone's of gonna call to Luca and say, miss yeah, that shot.
1: Miss that shot, yeah. We do all kinds of training on that and are you
0: ramping that up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We actually have had multiple training sessions on gambling and we also use data. You know, you're gonna see if the line moves, and so if people try to influence the line, and it, that's really where you get um, your ability to protect yourself.
0: And since we're talking about the way you're running the team and running that organization, you guys uh, had a big sexual harassment issue. Right. Uh, basically, the, the, the net result was everyone concluded there was a really bad culture there. Yep. How surprised were you by that? And, shocked. And, and how did you end up being surprised that your organization had a terrible culture? I problem? mean, not to make excuses, but I spent all my time on the basketball side,
1: and if I was in the business office once every two years, that was a lot. And I had people who ran it. And I mean, look, my email is mcubin at gmail, and I get it's true, yeah, I get emails, hundreds of emails every day, and, and literally, I was shocked because I, all one person had to do was email me. Now, I made mistakes as part of that, um, and we did a full investigation, and I learned, I learned a lot, and fortunately. Um, I was able to connect with Sint Marshall, who is incredible and she's our, our new CEO and, and she's, she's completely revitalized our culture.
0: Why do you think we haven't heard more of those stories about sports in the year plus of Me Too investigations and scandals that we've seen? I mean, there's obviously the stuff with gymnastics, but there's you guys, there's gymnastics. Sports is, in many cases, almost literally a boys club. You mm-hmm. think this would be rife with this. Is it that it's happening and for some reason hasn't been exposed? I don't know. I mean. I, You know, I didn't pay attention
1: enough to my house, (laughs) so I haven't obviously haven't paid a lot of attention to other people's. Hey, it's
0: Peter again. We're gonna take another quick break and we'll be right back with Mark Cuban. Every year I talk to you, I say, you've famously said YouTube's not a good business, it's never gonna amount to anything. You always double down on that. Are you still in the anti-YouTube camp or can we get you to turn around? It's not, I'm not
1: anti-YouTube anymore. Obviously they're, they're doing, they're crushing it, but you know, if YouTube had done it right, there'd be no Hulu. There'd be no Netflix. You know, there wouldn't be all these other streaming services. There wouldn't be Amazon Prime. Because they didn't want to be a content company. But they do want to be a content company because they use algorithms to promote different things
0: and they they have, you know, all kinds of of programming that they support. But they're fundamentally uncomfortable with that. They always spend and then they say, actually, we're done spending and, okay, we'll try spending again. We don't really want to do it.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly the point. Yeah, Now, look, you know, YouTube's a, a very profitable business now because bandwidth costs are negligible and that was always the biggest hurdle for
0: him. I have more questions for you, but I wanna open up to the audience. I think there's a mic, is there a mic stand or just a mic floating around? All right, there's a mic floating around, so please just wait till you get the mic to ask the question, because we're recording it. Who wants to ask Mark Cuban a question? Over here.
1: Hey, Mark. Hey. Um, love Shark Tank, Thank by you. the way. So I was curious, with all the investing that you do, what are three areas that you're really excited about investing in, besides
0: gambling, <laughs> um, currently?
1: So. If I were going to start a business today, I'd build it around Alexa um, and Google Home. If I was 15 or 20 or 25 and, you know, back in the day when I was working as a bartender and and started a company, I would learn, because Alexa skills and scripting Alexa skills is really, really easy, but everybody thinks it's really, really hard. And so that disconnect is a great opportunity. And so I tell my kids, other kids, learn how to script and just go get your neighbors and set up all these Alexa tools and you'll make $25, 30 $40 an hour.
0: Isn't the challenge there that, that Amazon and Google control that portal and so figuring out how to get discovered? No, they're dying for help. It's like the early days. It. Yeah,
1: they're dying for anybody who helped them. So that's one. And number two and three are AI. As big as PCs were in impact, as big as the internet was, AI is just going to dwarf it and if you don't understand it, you're going to fall behind, particularly if you run a business. I mean, you know, I get it on Amazon and Microsoft and Google and I run their tutorials. You know, if you go in my bathroom, there's a book, Machine Learning for Idiots. You know, so whenever I get a break, I'm reading it. Um, (laughs) But seriously, you have to know it. It's like, you know, now people, the internet, it's just there, right? Mobile, you know, desktop, whatever it is, there was a time when people didn't take it for granted. And it's like you have to learn what the Internet is. There'll be a time when people take AI and its impact for granted. But if you don't know how to use it and you don't understand it and you can't at least have a basic understanding of the different approaches and how the algorithms work, you can be blindsided in ways you couldn't even possibly imagine because you know algorithms are a function literally of the people who write them. And whoever they are, whatever they are, that's what you're going to get. And if you don't know any better, it's like if you just had somebody who wrote software and didn't know anything about your business. There, there's going to be all kinds of risks involved, so you have to understand The
0: it. last time we had this conversation, you said, I'm, I'm long Netflix. That was probably four years yeah, ago. Yeah, still you am. made a lot of money there. Yeah. Still am, long Netflix. All the same. Okay, question back here. Um, Mark, uh, I, I listened to your interview on the Real Vision, uh-huh. and I heard you talk about uh, the danger of like machine learning and AI. and. I know a lot of those technologies uh, can potentially solve problems that we cannot solve before, but they can also create more problems that we have never seen before. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I mean, that happens
1: with every technology. Just look at the internet. What a great way for everybody to communicate. The world is gonna be a better place because of the internet. Facebook, oh my goodness, right? We're gonna get social. Our friends will be able to connect. There's always a downside. The, The challenge with AI and put aside you know, terminators and generalization where you know, everything thinks, right, or AI thinks, but just now, anything that becomes black box that people don't understand, it's gonna be difficult for people to, to know whether it's doing its job or not. You know, it's just like, trust me, I got this type thing. And so that's the big problem from a, a small to medium-sized business. The second problem is big businesses have more data. And so that gives them an inherent advantage over smaller to medium-sized businesses, particularly since those smaller companies don't know how to use it. And next is just us versus China. China has you know, no privacy issues. They have data, 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 data. And so if you connect data with ever-improving processors, with ever-increasing speeds of 5G and other communication mechanisms, then, you know, there's unlimited things that can go wrong. Do you think and the, so we'll
0: just have to be um, more vigilant. Do you think the U.S. Is, is right to try to sort of basically ban Huawei? And, and, yeah. And you, yeah. As and a I, national security issue, yeah. not as a competition issue. Right, as
1: a national security issue. And I would say for our infrastructure bill, if you look back in the history of infra- infrastructure bills, if and when it happens, it was to build highways between cities that improve commerce, right? Now we need to create more... AI is going to take some jobs, or and depending on where you are in the cycle, maybe a lot, a lot of jobs, but it can also create jobs. And so if you look at all the factories, you know, things that are made in China and Vietnam and East Asia, those are things that can be brought back to the United States via robotics. But the United States does really well with robotics software, but we don't make robots. That's Japan and Germany. And so I would be investing in Robotics here as an infrastructure play, you know, supported by the government, and using that to bring back a lot of the manufacturing that moved overseas. Now, you're not going to be, it's not going to be manufacturing where someone's sewing, right? As robots get more manual dexterity, th- that'll be replaced. But someone's got to maintain them, manage them, monitor them, and that'll create jobs and bring more commerce back over. You know, here. who's
0: freaked out about robots and AI is Elon Musk. And yeah. I forgot, I wanted to ask you. Elon's having trouble with the SEC because they don't yeah, like his tweeting. Right. You, you had a long-running issue with the SEC yeah. or something more significant. Do you have any advice for Elon Musk yeah, about I how to him. work with the SEC? You do. Oh, yeah. Not. Does he I, listen did, to you?
1: He did. Yeah. He took my advice. When and, was this?
0: When he settled. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll tell you exactly what I told him. I said, Elon, name the last five people that you know that settled with the SEC. He couldn't name one. Because no one pays attention, I'm like, just get the shit over with, settle, and it'll be forgotten. But you then he's gone it. right
0: back and he's tweeting again. That's and Elon,
1: because he... you get he's, you know, you get those competitive juices going, and the SEC just has a bunch of idiots that do, do dumb shit. And so, <laughs> but you can say that because you settled. He's he, he can say it. No, he just can't talk about Tesla. He can call them idiots all day long. It seems
0: like a bad idea to have a settlement with them and then go on 60 minutes and go, I don't respect them at all. They're a bunch of idiots. I said it all the
1: time. I mean,
0: <laughs> But you settled.
1: No, I mean, no. So did he. Yeah, 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 Right? The only thing he can't do is talk about Tesla and that was his mistake and that's why they went back after him. Did you reach out to him or did he ask you for that advice? Um, we have a mutual friend that um, put us together. I like hearing these stories. Someone else?
0: Hi, Mark. Hi. Um, I'm Sandra. I work for VSI. We work... Uh, with Alexa and also Google Home. Uh So I'm interested, so we're one of the first voice skill agencies to put advertising on these platforms. So how do you think that we can take some of that control away from Amazon and how do you think we can educate the public to not be afraid of AI or you know, collecting that data from them. Because I think one of the biggest factors that we see right now is that people are afraid you know, of that data collection, even though they don't realize that their smartphones yeah, or the, the same current thing. right. things yeah. do the same thing, right. but they're like, oh, you know, I feel like Alexa is listening to me. You
1: know what, I'm gonna disagree with you in the second half because this, in this room, in a tech literate room, people are concerned about privacy. Correct. Outside of that, people don't care. You know, they just want their lives easier. When you're waking up worried about, you know, healthcare, jobs, your kids, their school, you're not thinking about,
0: you know, is Alexa listening to me. Well what about this idea that, that Facebook is reading your your messages to your bank? Which turns out to not be true, but it was this devastating New York Times story that, that really resonated with people because that is that somehow did sort of sink in with them. Yeah, I mean look, there there
1: are I don't want to call them threats, but yeah. There's a trade-off between simplicity and making your life easier and the collection of data. But I want to go back to, you are talking about your business, right? W- one thing I would do and I'd recommend to everybody, just like you captured URLs um, and you wanted your, the name relative to your business, you want to do the same thing with keywords on Alexa and Google Home. Because when people, if someone says, you know, tell me about soap, or what's the best soap? Alexa, what's the best soap? You want to be coming up. And if you look at the new devices that are coming up from Facebook and from Google and, um, and Amazon, they all have video. And, you know, I live off of Alexa. I love it, right?
0: It's, but if you ask never- Amazon, I want to know about the best soap. The first thing they're going to give you is either an Amazon-branded soap or whatever they want not you to buy. Not necessarily.
1: No, not necessarily. Because it's just like the early days of URLs. They're, they but, haven't captured. But every,
0: on the if you just, on the web, that's what's happening. That, but it's different. That's the whole point. But right? don't there, you think that's going to happen with Alexa? It,
1: no, voice SEO is completely different and, and is totally different. Now, and taking that further out. Um, Again, this is, these are things we're looking at. They're using video now. You know, you can watch things on an Amazon show. Or you can see commercials. And I'm talking to Amazon saying, okay, how, you know, how, do, I get, how do I do Alexa video SEO?
0: Because I'm I am watching Scott want, Galloway fume back here, I think. I think he may have a different perspective. We created the very first video flash briefing so that people are able to
1: advertise. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, All right. I, I, but it's an opportunity. The point is, it's an opportunity, right? Because there aren't many companies. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's where the biggest opportunities are, when people don't know. You don't, you don't want to be the 10,000th and first person doing something, right? You want to go where people don't know to look.
0: It just seems like that's going to be a close loop, but I'm not, I'm not going to argue no, with you about no, it. You I know mean, more than I do. Let's let let's, let's, let's someone okay. else ask a question or pitch a company. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Mark, uh, early investor at Broadcast.com, thank you. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) So, fun, interesting kind of question. You've got the resources, you're a good fit guy. What are you doing to prolong your life?
1: Not to to prolong all that? Oh, I got young kids' blood, I transfuse every other day.
0: (laughs) 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 He's got blood boys
1: backstage. (laughs) I'm serious, no. Uh, You know, I try to work out. I try to watch what I eat. Um, I do get my blood tested every three to six months, so I have baselines, and that's helped me learn a lot about my body. Um, you know, and I, I just try to be smart. Am I, no, that's
0: you know? your phone.
1: That's my Sorry about that. You think I know how to turn this off? No, I that's all right.
0: Eat well, get new blood. Anything
1: else? Yeah, um, no, just, you know, I try, it's interesting, as you get older, your body is more receptive and to, to vitamins and food and all these different things, allergies I never had until I hit 35 and 40. And so it, it's, it's really interesting to try to figure some of these things out. But I, I don't think there's any you know cure for aging, and I don't know it's, if it's gonna happen in my lifetime. But I will say this, like my son is nine, and by the time he's 40, let's say, the idea of going to a drugstore and buying over-the-counter medicine that says you might be the one unlucky schmuck that dies from this is going to seem barbaric. We'll have personalized medicine and what you take, what medications you take will be geared towards you because our body is just one big formula, one, you know, one big math equation. And these are all the different variables. And so we'll figure out how to solve problems in a lot different ways than we do now. Couple more super quick questions. Hi, Mark. Hi.
0: Hi. Nice Hi. to meet you. You too. You're awesome. Thanks. Um, so I'm, I'm building a fintech platform focused on women. And my oh. question to you is, because I see you on Shark Tank, um, I don't see a bias on Shark Tank when it comes to women pitching versus men pitching. But yet, in the VC world, we're still seeing 2% of capital going towards women-owned businesses. What's going on? How do we change this?
1: I mean, if you go markcubin.com is where I list all my companies, mostly Shark Tank companies, and I list women-owned business, military-owned businesses. And I think before we sold a couple, I don't know what the exact number is now, but 48% of the businesses I had invested in were women-owned or operated businesses. It's just people who are investing have just got to make a conscious effort to help. And it's the same place- thing with people of color. It's the same thing with disadvantaged communities. You just got to go out there. And because, for the reasons I just said, we're... we're it's almost like an arbitrage. You look where people aren't for the greatest opportunities and, and that made me a lot of money. And so
0: that's what i tried out of to self-interest, do. you can do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to do the right thing, but yeah, you can do it and still make money. Yeah. You know, it's not charity, it's, it's really an opportunity. And so, you know, I don't really typically invest in funds, but I've tried to partner with women um, P and VCs and, and the like as well. And, you know, you mentioned with the Mavs, I'll, I'll tell you a, a hard, hard lesson I learned. I used to think that you just treated everybody equally, right? Equal equal. But then I learned the hard way that treating people equally doesn't mean treating everybody the same, that everybody has a different perspective. And that, that unique perspective that each person, each category person, each demographic, whatever it may be, has can create opportunity. So you know, we were dumb enough to have 40-year-old white guys trying to sell to the Latin community, right? The Hispanic community you know, trying to sell to moms, you know, put together a package to sell Mavs tickets to moms. And you look and they all look like me. Right. It was dumb. And now that I recognize that every every demographic, every there's always a unique perspective that, that we can use to try to learn and to try to better sell, to better communicate, to better, you know, serve and support our customers. And so, you know, people who are starting to understand that now, I think, are, are there's more and more of us, and I think it's a great opportunity. What I would, the hard part though, is thinking, you know, there's only 2% of VC money available to me, you just got to go find the right people, and, and that's, that's the hard
0: part. I promised one last question, can we squeeze one last in, is there a mic? Hey Mark, hey. so uh, I'm a DFW native, lifelong Mavs fan. Appreciate it. But um, I'm also a uh, business student at the University of Texas here in Austin, Uh and I'll be graduating this May. So I'm curious to know that if you could go back in time and uh, and tell 22-year-old Mark Cuban anything, what would it be? Don't fuck it up. (laughs) Do we leave it there? Seriously. (laughs) I mean, it turned out okay. We're going to leave it there. Mark, you're great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Mark Cuban, one of the great all-time guests. Also really great uh, to work with him. You just email him and say, hey, Mark, would you like to come to this? And he comes. It's awesome. Thanks again to the team from Vox that put together that uh, experiential space at South by Southwest. Thanks to you guys for listening. If you like this show, please tell someone else about it. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Cadence 13 and Vox Media who bring those sponsors to you so you can listen to this podcast for free. Joel Robbie edits this show. My producers, Golda Arthur and Eric Johnson, produce this show. This is Recode Media. We will see you next week.